Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. I've recently started a new business called Bia that helps women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from bad cramps, irregular periods, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later on the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to welcome this week's guest, Hema Prasad, to our show today. Hema is the founder of Sagrada Studio, a full-service interior design studio that designs and decorates residential and commercial spaces around the country. Before taking over the world of interior design, Hema was a practicing attorney for several years before following her heart and passion and pursuing a career in fashion. In 2014, she decided to take the leap and move across the country to LA with her family to chase her dreams. She spent the following seven years dressing A-list celebrities, styling ad campaigns and editorials, and working with some of the top fashion talent in the world. Although she sacrificed it all to create a career in fashion, Hema felt unfulfilled and wasn't sure what she wanted to do next. Being open-minded about opportunities that came her way, Hema's interior design career began in 2021 when one of her styling clients asked for help decorating their home. Because of her eye for design and ability to execute her creative vision, that first project snowballed into several more and her client list began to grow rapidly. Hema now designs residential and commercial spaces all around the country and has been featured as the lead designer on the hit TV show, Property Brothers. In our episode together, we talked to Hema about her incredible journey from leaving her stable career as a lawyer to pursuing her passions and finding success in industries she had no experience or connections in like fashion and interior design. We talk about how she also pivoted in her career and the impact of not having a quote unquote plan B made on her journey and some insights on how we can all think about that. We also dig into feelings of self-doubt, fear, and steps she took to overcome those limiting beliefs to still move forward and start her businesses and how networking and nurturing authentic relationships have been pivotal in her career journey. This was a fun one. I felt like we were just chatting over coffee about all things life, entrepreneurship, switching careers, all the fun stuff we love to talk about. So we hope you enjoy this one. Welcome to the show, Hema. I am so excited you're here and shout out to anyone who's listening to us on YouTube. She created this entire beautiful space. So I'm obsessed with you. I love your career journey. I'm truly excited about this podcast. So I'm excited to jump into it. Me too. And it's really like funny to be here. I'm sure. And, like, like when I did this podcast studio for Drew, I yeah. wasn't thinking like, oh, in a year, because I think it's been a little over a year. Yeah. In a year, you'll be sitting here at this mic. I it's kind of cool. I love it. I love to to take it over. And you guys did such a great job. So yeah, it's beautiful. You. Hopefully thank our house you. one day will look like this. We'll make it happen. Call me, girl. I know. <laughs> we'll make it happen. I love it. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm excited that you're here for so many reasons. I think both of us have really left that stable career and job mm-hmm. to make that leap. And I think we don't talk enough about the nuances that go into that. So even before we started recording, we were chatting about all the things. Yeah. So this is something I think we're both passionate about. So I know this conversation is going to be amazing. But I want to start with something you actually posted today on Instagram that really resonates with me. And you said that the world tells us that having a plan B is wise. It's a safety net, the fallback, the cushion. But here's a kicker. It divides your energy. Yeah. 
this makes me have all the feels because I agree with that. But tell me what plan B is for you and what you meant by that post. So that is actually a quote from my business coach who we were talking about, but she posted, she sends a newsletter and that particular sentence resonated with me because I think so many people think you can have a side hustle and then eventually one day it's going to take off. Like you're going to dip your toe in and give it a try and then like see what happens. That's not how this works. I think it's good to do that and just see if it's even something that you want to pursue. But at some point, there can be no plan B. You have to go all in. You have to dive in, put all your energy, all your resources, your trust, your faith, your belief into this thing that you want to do. And there is no plan B. Like you can't have one foot in and one foot out forever. And that's kind of what I meant by that. It's like you got to go all in at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never going to go anywhere if you don't. Yeah. And I just want to underscore that you said at some point you need to go all in, right? Because I think, you know, you still need to be thoughtful around like maybe financially. So maybe you can share a little bit about your journey around you know, maybe the ins and outs of when you went in and kind of when you went back to maybe contracting. Yeah. Um, So when I took the leap into being a stylist, it was that one foot in, one foot out kind mm -hmm. of thing. I moved to LA to do it, but I was still working remotely with my law firm on the East Coast. And so the time difference worked for me. I would work, do my legal work in the mornings and then go intern or, you know, assist other stylists in the afternoons or on my day off. I kind of worked because it was remote, you know, across the country, literally. And then about after about, I think, eight months of doing that, it, it was starting to become a conflict because I was getting more and more styling jobs and less and less interested in being a lawyer. Yeah. So I was kind of like just very unengaged with my law firm and things were starting to really rub me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so there came a point where I got into this argument with my boss at the time and we parted ways. And yeah. then I was like, okay, now or never, I'm going to be a stylist. And mm-hmm. so at that point, I was like almost broke. <laughs> like I had some income coming in from being a stylist. Yeah. So it was a good time because it, it wasn't like I was working for free I was making some money Mm -hmm. so I felt like okay if you if I've spent the past eight months proving that I can make an income yes in this new area then I might as well just dive in and see what more I can do I love that with all my time yeah oh I love this because you kind of slowly build the confidence and even for me and I never thought I would do this but I actually quit my job I was working with my family business at the time thinking that was going to be like the main thing and all that stuff and I was like you know what this is still not resonating like I've jumped around so many times I started this podcast just because it was COVID I had time I was getting so inspired by these stories and like people were listening and I I remember it gave me this little bit of confidence of, oh, if I spent my time fully on something, it could be anything like, what could that even look like? Yeah. And that kind of gave me the confidence to just put it all aside and say, all right, family, like friends, I'm going to just go all in and figure it out. And there's something about once you put both feet in, there's like, it's like, this shit's it's real. Like, it's better. It, it's not sink or swim. Yes. You know, and you will, you'll yes. hustle harder. If you have that entrepreneur, I, I truly do believe that you're either born with the spark or not. Mm. Like not everybody's made to be an entrepreneur. And not everyone should be. I feel no. like people glamorize it. It's, and it's... not glamorous. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. We were talking about that too. We can get into that. It's not glamorous. I actually, my mom is very entrepreneurial and I grew up observing her. And I remember when I was young being like, I'm never doing that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I am just going to work this corporate job and be stable and like, you know, whatever. Like I never wanted to be an entrepreneur because to me it looked very scattered and risky, you know, if you look at me now. Like it's like it was in me. Yeah. I couldn't not, Mm -hmm. you know, at some point. Totally. And I'm excited to jump into this because I think sometimes similar to you, like when we're in that corporate world, sometimes we forget we even have that 
in us. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I was very entrepreneurial. Then I lost it because I was just climbing up the corporate ranks, yeah. making more money. Doing and it's my not thing. rewarded in a corporate system, yes. that mentality. Yes. Even though they say you should be an entrepreneur within your organization, that's not really what they want. They yeah. want somebody who's going to play by the rules. Totally. And to be an entrepreneur, you can't. You have to be able, you have to be a person who's like willing to take risks, yes. you know? And I'm still unwinding all that. Yeah. Cause like you, you don't get compensated to take risks. Not you don't all. get compensated to feel super uncomfortable. Like every day I feel uncomfortable that every day it's wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think it ever goes away. I know. It Unfortunately, does. I, know. I think that if you become comfortable, you're not growing. Yeah. It's so true. I think we just have to live with it. Totally. And you know, anyone who's listening, like if you could work on that muscle now in any capacity, whether it's like going to dinner with new people you don't know or yeah. do or doing a new project at work that's outside of your scope like building that muscle is yeah. only going to benefit you yeah but I would love to rewind back a little bit and talk about your upbringing yeah so I know your parents got divorced when you were young mm -hmm. and one thing that they've said and funny because both my parents told me this too is never you know depend on a man to support you mm -hmm. so how do you think like that divorce or the words have really shaped your view about money and or career I still say that all the time I have three daughters and I it's not a man specifically it's just anyone else sure you know I think we've expanded the narrative now like it's no no longer about gender roles but I've seen enough to know that like everybody should be able to stand on their own two feet financially yeah in my marriage that's what keeps it healthy we've been married like 17 years now yeah. and so we've um, each maintained a level of independence within our marriage and it keeps it for us it works it keeps it like exciting and fresh and like also gives us this sense of stability like okay if I'm when I decided to be an entrepreneur yeah. my husband had to sort of like step in and vice versa he also used to work in the family business and then decided he didn't want to mm. and so he started you know in an, a new thing and at that time I was an attorney and I picked up the gap there financially and so I think it's healthy to be able to stand on your own and I, st I still stand by that mm -hmm. I think it's important and and it drives you like sometimes I'm like where does this motivation and drive come from yeah. and it, it's very empowering to be able to you know create wealth for yourself yeah. make money you know you have financial freedom to do what you want yeah. like and it gives you a sense of confidence which I love and I so. want to set that example for my girls and like everybody like women out there too you know yeah. you can you can be a mom you can be an entrepreneur you can have this great career you can do you can be a great partner yeah it requires support you can't do it on your own but um it's possible you yeah. know no. I think and it builds your self-esteem to be able to accomplish mm. things I think it was either my one of my parents or my uncles growing up said like you can't give somebody self-esteem like they have to earn it mm. you know yes you can't you just it's just one thing I can't give my kids Yes. No matter what, I can give them money, mm -hmm. but I can never give them self-esteem. And then what if I'm not here anymore? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What am I leaving? I can't, they can't fend for themselves. Like, yeah. So I do think it's important. I love that. And I'm looking at you. Hema has three beautiful girls. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that is amazing. But to see you being an active mom in a happy marriage for 17 years, running your business, it's very inspiring. So thank you for, you know, being an example for so many of us and sharing your story. I mean, it's not easy, though. Like, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want anybody. Please, if you're listening or yeah. watching, it's hard work every day. Yeah. And it requires like a readjustment of everybody 
priorities, including and expectations, including my daughter's and my husband's. Like yeah. it's constant communication between all of us so that everybody understands like what I'm feeling, what we're doing, when I have time, when I don't. Like they've been, even the girls, they've Part been very it. supportive in their own oh, way, you know? Yeah. Like I if I have that. to travel or be at a thing or whatever, like we talk about it, I tell them and they get it. They know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know? And the common theme I see just in so many of the women I've had on the podcast, even including you, and even now that I'm in this journey of entrepreneurship, is like having a supportive partner. You have to. Definitely helps. Or friends. Or friends or, or friends. family or whoever. Exactly. Somebody. Someone. A support system. Because my mom was a single mom and yeah. she was a career woman, but we had support. We had yeah. my aunts and uncles and like, you know, extended family and, and even like live-in nannies and things. Like you have to have some kind of support some kind system, of support. even if it's not your partner. Yeah. No, yeah. it's so true. It's so true. So now I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Obviously, no who you are today like you're such a creative how in the world did you kind of go into law and you kind of stayed there for a little bit so what was the time. yeah what was the motivation for you to go, kind of go down that path I liked it well my father's an attorney and okay. so like I'm I think maybe Persian culture is this way too where you're like given these options yeah there's three options of career that are good and respectable and it's like doctor you could be a lawyer, accountant, maybe engineer four. Yeah. <laughs> um, and none. Of, I liked being a lawyer in the beginning. I've always read a lot as a kid and written. And I liked the oral part of it. I was a litigator, so I'd be in court. And like there were a lot of things I liked about it. Mm -hmm. Mostly I liked the salary. So yeah. that's, you know, why I think that's why it didn't have longevity for me. Sure. But it it wasn't like this big challenge either. Like I think I was meant to do it because it wasn't. It was hard and 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 difficult, but it also felt natural at the time. Yeah, you know. So I was yeah. led down this path, and it felt okay. So I did it. But a few years in, something else started to kind of pull at me. You know, like I always, when I was young, I was always into my room and my clothes, and like really, you know, even in college, I was that friend who everybody was like, "What? What should I wear?" You know, or like, "Can you do my makeup for me?" or whatever. I was just always that aesthetic person. Yes. But I was never told that it could be a career. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I don't even think my parents knew to tell me that. You yes. know, I grew up in Toronto. That's not a big. It, at the time, it wasn't a big industry there. It's, it still isn't. Like careers like that are largely based on mm -hmm. geography. Careers exist here in LA and in New York that don't exist anywhere yeah. else. That's why I had to move here to do it. So I didn't even know. But the looking back like the sparks were always there mm -hmm. I just didn't know it could be a job so I almost wonder like if somebody had told me hey did you know yeah. you could be an interior designer when I was like 15 maybe maybe I would have done this sooner yeah I don't know no it's true I mean that's why this podcast is like so important to me I want to like show different paths of yeah. what's possible because similar to you I had no idea until I I was living in New York I moved to LA and I was doing these dinners and I would see other entrepreneurs that were like me and I was like oh like I was still in finance I'm like oh they're nice they're normal I was yeah. so used to men yeah. that I couldn't see what it would look like to run a business and once I kind of met other women like me I was like oh I can do it and then yeah. you know a few years go by I finally took the leap but it's so true like you don't know what you don't see and so I'm curious like you said you were doing well as a lawyer you know you had the perfect life nice I did. car on paper nice car yeah. nice house cute kids yes. cute neighborhood the whole thing yeah yeah and what because you said you know you didn't even know what was possible outside of this realm if you created this amazing life for yourself so when did you realize like okay something is missing like what was that moment in your life I don't know if it was a moment as much as like a gradual like mm -hmm. it's almost like it was tapping and then it became a very loud yeah. like drive up to the building and feel sick every yeah. day feeling you know mm -hmm, so at first mm -hmm. it was like this inkling of like this is boring and then it became stronger and it was like I don't like what I'm doing yeah and then it became stronger and it was like I really hate being here every day mm -hmm. and and 
then it, I realized I couldn't connect with the kids when I got home sometimes because my brain was so like wrapped up in, you know, my work, but not in a good way. Like it was making me into a person that I didn't want to be mm. like this, this person with no feelings, yes. you know, yes. like to be a lawyer sometimes yes. or a doctor, I think you have to kind of separate yourself from humanity yeah. to like mentally survive what you're seeing or hearing. Mm -hmm. So I found it difficult to let go of that every day when I went home. Mm -hmm. You know, it became harder to do that the more in it I got. Yes. So at that point, I was like, I don't like who I am, basically. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, so that was the so then I started like this little secret fashion blog. Yeah. Oh, I you did know? not know that. Well, no one knows because it's secret. Yeah. <laughs> And so my husband, supportive person that he is, would like take my pictures in my outfit every day. And I put on these outfits and like that was when fashion blogging was becoming a yes. thing, you know, like in the like like 2010 ish mm -hmm. era. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't share it with anybody, but it felt like I was doing something. I didn't stick with it. And I was still too afraid to put myself out there. So then I was like, but everybody always wants my advice on things so maybe I could be a stylist. And so that's where that came from. Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use, we make it every effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A wellness.com. And check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, you know, your family, obviously being immigrant parents, mm -hmm. like they have their own fears. They want their kids to have stable lives. Like, I'm curious when I was wanting to make the jump, my dad's like, are you crazy? Yeah. Just stay with us. Yeah. It's COVID and put all his fears as he should as a parent. Right. They, so yeah. how did your parents kind of take the fact of when you finally got to the point of, oh, maybe I'm going to try this stylist thing. Like, was were the people <laughs> around you supportive? Yes and no. I have a large family and some were like, go ahead, girl, you can do anything. And then some were sort of like, I don't get what you're doing. Yeah. Like this like, seems what is crazy. Like, yeah. I don't get it. You're, you have, you have everything successful. You've, and, and my mom too. I don't, I think up to now, I don't think she fully understood what I was doing the whole time. Like she would be like, you could still do fashion law, you yeah. know? And <laughs> I'm like, that. um, that's not, that's like being a lawyer. It's not, you know, but at some point yeah. I do think that whatever, may, they may not understand what I'm doing, but definitely my mom and like my family, they believe in me as a person to like make good decisions mm -hmm. and, you know, make a success out of whatever it is I want to pursue. Yeah. So they may not understand like what I'm actually pursuing, but mm -hmm. they do believe in me as a, as a human being. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's kind of all you need. Yeah. No one's going to understand what you're doing. You have to like not care. Yeah. You Sometimes really... I don't even understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you can't care about what your community or anyone else thinks of 
what you're doing. Mm -hmm. it, it can't matter. They're not your audience. Yes. Well, I, the, your family is not your audience. You're right. Ever. Even on social media, like mm -hmm. whatever you're posting, whatever you're marketing, like they may double tap it to be supportive, but you're not selling to them. They're not buying yeah. from you. It's you true. Know? It's so funny because a memory just came up with you saying that when I launched this podcast, and that was even before Bia, I was posting on LinkedIn. And you know, being in finance, like I have a, I, there's a lot of people I've worked with who yeah. I'm connected to on LinkedIn. And I remember being really embarrassed in the beginning. So of like, embarrassed. You know, I was. Yeah, yeah, like sharing stuff. And then it's funny, obviously now, you know, we're like a pretty well-known podcast and fast forward two, three years, people I haven't talked to in years have been following the journey and are now sending messages so proud of Same. you. Same. So it's interesting. Same. Yeah. I've gotten screenshots from old friends like with the Arc Digest magazine and yeah. they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like whatever, you know, and they have been following you the whole time. Yeah. And in fact, people will screenshot me like I'm sharing this podcast with my uh, other their lawyer friends because this is like so inspiring I'm yes. like, oh god did i cause like a lawyer uprising totally i'm getting <laughs> you know? like all bankers to quit yeah, and start so exactly. they're like how did you do it exactly <laughs> so i think people are afraid for you yeah at first but like again you can't let those fears stop you from acting exactly you know I, they're I, really afraid for themselves it's their own personal feeling totally yeah totally no i love that and what i think is so cool about your journey too and i want to share this in case it inspires any woman who's listening is that you did a career change later in your life. Yeah, I was 30. So you said like my family and I had confidence that in whatever I would do, it'll do well because yeah. you've built that career or for yourself. Or even if it didn't, I would be okay because I would you have move on or figure something else out or whatever. Like yes. they just see me as a person who can do things. Yeah. You know? And you built that confidence over time. Yeah. So I actually think like if I started Bia 15 years ago, I don't know if it would be to the place it is now. Like it's like, so having those reps in whatever industry you're in will only benefit you when you decide to make 100%. the lead. 100%. It's not a pivot. It's a like building on top of a I foundation, mm -hmm. right? Totally. Um, I mean, it might be a different industry, but like being an interior designer now is like a literal combination of everything I've ever done and I think that's yes. why it's been successful for me in such a short period of time is because mm. all the puzzle pieces were have been yes. lined up over the past 15 years so like people I'm sure look at me and they're like how did she get in these magazines like or whatever it is like so fast yes, yes. but the reality is I, this came along, fell in my lap. I saw the opportunity for what it was. And then I took everything I knew mm. and threw it at this, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and it worked. Yes. That's what it is. And I have goosebumps because I truly believe in that. And I think, you know, it always works out at the end. You're like, oh my gosh, my career in law, being a stylist, like it all makes sense. Yeah. What I think is important is like taking that leap and trying different things. Because if you don't put your foot out there, you're not going to look back and things like, it might not make sense at the time, but it eventually always does if you keep kind of going, you which have is what to you do. Did. Like yeah. you have to do. I know a lot of people, close family and friends actually, who are like inspired to start businesses and they sit there and they do mm -hmm. the most at their computer. And I'm like, but are you out there doing? Yes. Because you're back here planning this business and launching this website yeah. and doing the social media and whatever, but like get out there and do, yeah. you know, like you have to put something out there for people to respond to and consume physical yeah you know it's not true. unless your business is like instagram right but like yeah. at some point you got to stop the planning yeah. and just act yes. you know i didn't have any planning i acted 
And yeah. then I made a plan yeah. afterwards, you know, but I just took one step. It's true. Yeah. S- same actually. And I, I, it's funny. We just launched a product last weekend. It's been I know, like, congrats. So, thank you. I can't wait to get it. Yeah. Well, I know when we're I back in stock, yeah, <laughs> well, I'll definitely out. send you. Yeah. But it just, it brought a lot of memories because obviously if we have one product that's out there and we're doing, and I was just, and my team is so excited about the new product and we're so excited. But in my head, I, I'm like, the game starts once we start selling. That's it. Like, it's not that it's easy. There's, it's very fun to like get the website out to think about the photo shoot and like the you're branding. creating a dream yes what is that quote it's like plans without action is is just dreams yeah plans without actions are just dreams yes you yes. know like you don't have a business you have a dream yes to have a business you have to act and do yeah and that's uh, scary it's scary and and but the thing is like once you put it out there that's when you learn and you pivot it's not like waiting for that one time and I know yeah. in another interview you said like and this is how we're kind of trained in school like in law school like you graduate and you're an expert before you do something yeah. and so many people even now they're like I need to be an expert before yeah. I go like that is conditioning that I just want to unwind, unwind and for future children I'm like I don't want you to think that way even but- when you graduate law school you know nothing about the business of law yeah. same with the design school because we I hire people now and they're out of design school they have technical skills but they don't know anything about customer service yeah they don't know anything about how the business actually works Mm. the practical realities of what you theoretically learned in school you know I think only med school takes 10 years because you're operating on dead bodies or something (laughs) you know whatever they do but even then a real life situation you can only learn when you're in it. Yeah. Um, and I think people, yeah, what you said is how I used to feel like, oh, somebody needs to give me permission mm. to like succeed or, or go out there and call myself a stylist or a designer. But like, that's not true. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And it's interesting because I remember, you know, before I started Bia, it's like a very vulnerable spot before you put yourself and your face and everything out there. And I remember thinking to myself, I've been wanting to be an entrepreneur for like so many years. I've been waiting for this right time. And I'm like, I knew you can only learn by doing. And I was like, if Bia doesn't work out, at least I'm getting the reps. And it's data. Like you're, you're exactly, how could it not work out? Because you believe in the product, you believe in yourself, you see a gap, like you've already educated yourself about what your offering is. And so Mm -hmm. you're just putting it out there. And the rest is just learning and data. Yeah. And so then you adjust, yes. you know, like yeah. that's all it is. People really overthink it. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sure your packaging, for example, has changed. We, we had a typo yeah. for like two years. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Or like we just did a brand book after yeah. two years. I'm like, oh, yes, this is what my brand is. Yes. I had no idea. And then looking back on all the evidence, yeah, a brand emerged. Totally. You know, like. Because it and a brand that is authentic and natural to me or or my vision. How can you do that when you don't have when you're sitting at your computer and you don't know what's gonna work? It's true. It's true. Like people are like, I don't know what my marketing message is. I was like, we've been like around for two and a half years. We're still figuring that out. And that's through customer feedback. So to your point, like get any version out there. Don't spend so much money and just test it. People are gonna tell you. They're gonna say, Oh, I like for us, like our new mission statement is part of it says we aim for richly layered livability. How would any, that came from other people telling me what they thought of my aesthetic. And I'm like, you know what, you're right, that is it. And that is genuine, like that's what I try for. Yes. But how could I have distilled that down yeah. into a mission statement mm-hmm. without actually putting work out there? Mm-hmm. Like, and then looking at it and being like, I would have done this differently next time or whatever, you know, like you have to develop that. Yes. Yes. If anyone's listening, just get started, put it out there, yes. like get feedback from people. It's vulnerable, but it's so worth it once you're on the other side. Yeah. So hundred, hundred percent. 
So I'm going to go back, you know, you were a stylist, you you basically made it as a stylist, like you were working with celebrities, yeah. doing really well. But you still had this irking of like, this is just not for me. Yeah. So tell me more about what that felt like, because I'm sure it must have maybe not been the easiest since you sacrificed so much. You moved your family to L.A. Yeah. and you're like, oh, shit, like yeah. this isn't for me. So what was going on at the time? It was kind of I learned very quickly that in fashion, like it's not the most equitable industry. There's a lot of things that happen within the industry that I don't like. Mm. Um, so pretty early on, I kind of knew that it wasn't like being a stylist wasn't going to be like my long game. I would say okay. within the first two, three years of really being in it, I was like, first of all, this is not scalable. Anything that requires physical manpower is very difficult to scale, mm -hmm. you know, like and that's all styling is. Right. And so I didn't like that. There is a certain persona that succeeds in fashion and I wasn't it. I thought that I could be in fashion and like be like dress how I want and do what I want. The reality is you're the help. That's how people see you. And everybody wears all black and everybody's I a see. skinny white girl. And like, you know, there is a persona. Mm. And I was like, oh, I can't be myself. Or I didn't feel like I could be myself and and move forward. Sure. You have to look the part. It's a very superficial industry. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of these things, again, were not feeling true to me and like who I was. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But like you said, I risked it all. Yeah. And so I was going to do it. And so I played the part. I did it. It's same when I was an attorney. I would put on the suits every day or whatever. I didn't love it, but like I committed. Yeah. And I was going to see it through. I was going to exhaust every avenue. Yeah. You know, um, I wasn't going to sort of mm -hmm. throw in the towel right away because I knew that there are different avenues I could try with styling. Like I could do the celebrity thing. I could do movies. I could do TV. I could do advertising and commercials. And I did all of that. Like I tried every single thing except a feature film. I don't think I ever did that. But mm -hmm. I tried costume design, you know, so I really tried to explore the entire realm of possibilities. And mm -hmm. only after that did yeah. I then say, okay, I didn't pursue anything, but I also knew that like I had to figure something else out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even taking it a step back, I realized I didn't even ask because I have a lot of friends who aren't in fashion and, you know, they want to dive into the industry. So you didn't have any network, you didn't have any connection. None. So how did you break in and have the opportunity to do all these different things that you mentioned? So fashion, they'll hire like Everyone works for free in the beginning. Okay. It's something you have to be willing to do. You have to work for free and start at the very bottom unless there's like, unless you have a connection, which mm -hmm. I didn't have. So I came to LA. There was this website called freefashioninternships.com. I love it. Yeah. And like everybody posts like internship, internship, internship on there and it's all unpaid, but like you can apply. So that's what I did. And so I got hired with a stylist to be an intern. Yeah. I think my resume literally just said like, has a car and a law degree. Oh, and yeah. like, here's my availability, you know, cause like they don't care about anything else. Yeah. So when you're uh, like trying to break in, you kind of have to just show what you can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And it, they, no one cared that I was a lawyer. That's not applicable to them. I couldn't come in with this like, well, I'm a lawyer. Like, you know, I'm smarter than everybody here. And like, give me, you know, these plum jobs off the bat. No one cares. You yeah. can't do that. You have to really be humble and put your ego aside. And so that's what I did. Mm -hmm. I got yelled at for taping boxes incorrectly. Like yeah. all these things that you're like, at the time I was like, I have a mortgage and children and a law degree like what am I doing you know yeah but no one cares 
you have to humble yourself. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I think about this a lot. I also, you know, I wasn't doing any free internships, but I've taken significant pay cuts since I left investment banking. And, you know, I don't see people doing that too often, but it was the best thing I did because it allowed me, and it seems like even you to create now this, you know, other kind of a wealth and business for yourself because you have all that experience. So how did you feel comfortable? Like you said, a mom of two or two at the time, a mortgage, like, to take that big leap. And also, I love that you put your ego aside because I think that ego can kind of impact you. And when you start a business, it ain't glamorous. Like you're packing boxes. There's and- no ego yeah, allowed. There's no- you can't you have an ego. Yeah, real fast. <laughs> like for the first year that I was even an interior designer, I was doing everything, all the ordering, all the sh- receiving, like all the site visits, the whole thing. Like, and it's good because again, it's just learning, you yeah. know, it's understanding every, I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs say this, and CEOs, like you should work in every aspect of your business in order to be like a better manager for when that day comes. Because Mm -hmm. how can I tell somebody how to do their job if I've never done it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so if you're gonna start something new, you wanna get into fashion or whatever, you do have to do that. I think you have to start from the bottom. And it can't be about a paycheck, you know? I don't advocate working for free. Obviously that's a big problem in that industry specifically. Um, And I think it's since been, outlawed, although I'm sure people still do it, but the pay cut to me is necessary. How can you come into something new and expect your same pay for skills that aren't even applicable, half of them, Mm -hmm. you know? Totally. And I think one gift, you know, that we both probably learned is the more money you make, it doesn't necessarily bring happiness. And I didn't know that. I I was like, I didn't either. Like in my twenties, I was like, oh great, I'm going to keep making money. I'm living in New York. I'm living in a high rise. Like it was the best, but you hit a point where you're like, oh, this money thing is actually trapping me. It's trapping you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a, it's fake. It's like it's I grew fake. up my whole life thinking money equals happiness. You hear from your parents, make money, be stable. And I was like, oh, once you hit a certain point, anything more if you're unhappy is just not worth it. So I think that maybe motivated you. And I know me to be like, it did. F the money. Yeah. Like I want to learn and be happy with people I want to be around. Yes. However, you do need money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do need money. No, no. It is important. You obviously. do need money, but you should not like money can't be the reason you decide to do something. It can't be the number one reason. That has no longevity in it. Yeah. And if it if you end up in a situation where you spend the rest, like your entire life just doing something for money, I don't think you're happy. I, I think that that is sad. Mm-hmm. Per, that's my personal opinion, you know? Or maybe, I don't know, I've heard people say this too, where they, they're like, whatever, my job doesn't define me and I just want to provide for my family. But guess what? That's making you happy. So then you're okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know? Exactly. Like maybe you're not driven by what you're doing. You're just like happy to be this provider. And I think that's okay too. But for me, it wasn't. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you you mentioned that because some people are just happy for like a a good job that they like. They make money. It might not be their passion, but they have so many passions outside of that. And that's actually a beautiful thing too if it works for you. I have wished to be I know, I know, me too. I have prayed. Like, I've literally been like, <laughs> me too. Why can't I just be okay I with know, that? I know. I say the same I thing. I can't. And, but I, this isn't condescending at yeah. all. Like, I'm being serious. Like, if you are that person who's literally like, I got my little, my hobbies, and I'm like, yeah. I, I'm fine with my job, and it provides for my family, and that's my priority, and that you are genuinely good with that. Yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. You no, know? truly. The turmoil inside that I feel every day to create and build, I don't, it's not pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know if you feel that way, but some days I'm just like, I'm tired. Yeah. 
oh yeah i'm really tired literally on monday i was yeah. like i am and like it's funny because like shit will hit the fan all at once yeah and it's manageable when it's one off but like monday was just like wow yeah this is a lot right now we've had a week like that too and i i am just like but why for yeah. what you know it's important to have your eye on the prize like north star if you are an entrepreneur um, and it can change, I guess. But like, yeah. I think that's the only thing that keeps you going sometimes. Yeah. It, it's really like, it, sound, it sounds so basic. And I used to hear this before I even had my own business. But like, the why. The why. The why is so important. Yeah. Like, and also like, how do you define happiness? Like if I was running Bia, and you know, this podcast, it's a lot. The day I'm not happy, I will mix it up. Mix so it's it up. like, you think about what makes you happy. It doesn't have to be that business that everybody thinks you should start. If you're happy in your life right now, if you're happy with your kids, you're happy with your job, like that's the number one thing to optimize. A hundred percent. And I think about that a lot. Yeah. I think it people, especially because of social media and then the pandemic, everybody was like launching a business every yeah, other day yeah. from their living room. But like, let's be real. Yeah. It's it, Everybody doesn't have to do that. Just because you see everybody doing that, if that doesn't resonate with you, don't yeah. do it. I mean, this is probably a podcast for entrepreneurs. So they're listening to well, this like whatever. It's good to know who should, like when you shouldn't do it. Yeah. If I didn't have the conviction of supporting women's hormones because I went through my own journey, yes. this shit would be 10 times harder. I would have quit. Yeah. No question about it. So you need to have that like, the passion and truly the why yeah. and like the customers half the time I send screenshots of the emails we get and I'm like this is what got me through Monday yeah like truly and I'm sure you feel the same it's way the with same when I was a stylist the big thing that kept me going for seven years was like seeing that physical transformation when yeah. somebody feels good about themselves that's what I love mm. I love bringing people's insides out mm. because I think a lot of us walk around hiding and yeah. one of the things that styling and interior design have in common is that it is my job to give you Yasmin or wh whichever client permission to be themselves on the outside yeah like I love that everyone's hiding and it is my personal mission yeah. to bring us all out of hiding and like allow us all to be our authentic selves on the outside mm. and it's something that comes naturally to me once I get to know a person. And so that is what keeps me going. I do yeah. feel like there's room in the world for beauty in all different shapes and forms. And like you're not living your most authentic life if you're hiding yeah. any aspect of yourself. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, that's our brand. Listen, yeah, I'm just that was really that we good. We just distilled <laughs> yeah. it down in it's a document. True. But it took me a couple of years to really do this business and understand like that's what's driving me is yeah. giving people that same permission to be authentic that I give myself mm -hmm. in in my way. Yep. Yep. You know? No, it's powerful. And yeah. so I'm curious, you know, you never thought about interior design. Never. I love the serendipitous aspect of how you even fell into it. So yeah. tell us about how you went from a stylist to mm -hmm. then, you know, going down a completely different path. So in the pandemic, so the pandemic hit and I had a good roster of clients, then nobody was going anywhere. And so I was just like, I was pregnant. I had a baby oh, yeah. January 2020 and then the pandemic hit in March. Wow. And so I was on leave anyway. And I already knew I didn't really like styling, even though I had done everything I wanted to. I had good clients, good jobs, like, you know, good income, all of that. But it was it still wasn't resonating anymore. I just didn't know what to do. Um, so I 
read this book, The Surrender Experiment, that I talk about a lot that I think everybody should read. And I decided mm. once the pandemic hit, I was going to do nothing because there was like nothing to do anyway. Mm -hmm. And then in 2021, when people started doing things again, my clients started coming back. And one of my clients, Deepika, was like, hey, I got a new apartment. Will you help me decorate it? And I was like, the book said surrender. <laughs> so I was like, maybe this is something I should just do. Because I liked, she's like, your house is cute. And I'm like, I've always liked decorating my own spaces, even my dorm room. Like it was always done you yeah. know um it's very important to me because that's like my mental well-being yeah i don't like my like house to feel unfinished or out of out of place i'm not a neat freak but it's something about it being an experience for sure. me. Anyway, so I did the project and that's how it snowballed because then more people were like, help me, help me, help me. Even Drew yeah. at the time. Oh yeah, I saw it on Instagram. Yeah. I was like, Drew, uh, we need to hit her yeah, up because- yeah. Exactly. yeah, and then it's just so happened we had like a personal connection, you yeah. know, um, but I, it yes. just snowballed. I And then I was like, by the end of 2021, I was doing both. I had one foot in style. How ironic that styling became my like backup because it was so unstable the whole time because it's freelance. Yeah. And then I hesitated to let it go because I'm like, but I know what that is. Yeah, it's comfortable. It's comfortable because I know that instability, mm -hmm. you know, and then diving into interior design felt like an unknown. Mm -hmm. But by the end of the year, because I thought every job was going to be my last, you yeah. know, like every yeah. time somebody asked me to help them with their house or, or their whatever, I was like, this is fun. Okay, no one's ever going to ask me to do that again. That was a fun project. And then it just kept happening. Interesting. So then by the end of the year, I was like, what if I just did this? Uh -huh. Like, what if I actually started marketing? And what if I actually... Mm -hmm started treating this like the business that it seems to want to be mm. so well it's so interesting because two things that stand out about your journey is i love the surrender experiment experiment michael yeah. singer yes. he's amazing. amazing like even listening to him stuff his stuff on youtube i think i've read that book three times in my journey from, i like, think even i have finance too. days yeah. it's really really good you know how i discovered it i applied for a legal job at the end of the like in the pandemic because i was so fresh at end of 2020 I thought I was never going to be a stylist again. And I was like, well, I should go back to the devil that I know, which is law. At least I'll sure. make a ton of money and like whatever. <laughs> and then the HR recruiter who didn't hire me was like, you should read this book. Interesting yeah. that she told yeah. that. Uh-huh. She's like, I read it too. And it really helped me. And yeah. I'm like, okay, girl, thanks. Yeah. You know, like I think she, through she... the process, she could see that I wasn't really like into it. You know, I, I'm not very good at like poker face or hiding my feelings. Thanks. And so I'm sure along the way I was giving off signs like, I don't really want this job, yeah. you know? <laughs> she was like, you know what? You should read this. And I was like, okay. Sure. Yeah. I love reading. So, and I love reading sort of like self-help or, you know, um, mindset books. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that book crossed my path. I love that. I might actually reread it now, now that yeah. you put it back on my radar. Yeah. Anytime so. I'm like feeling the urge to hustle, I just open it and read some of it because yeah. it's that hustle culture yes. that I think hinders us a lot from just like making the right moves you know? Yes. I love that. Let's yeah. unpack that a little bit. Yeah. More. I sound like my therapist. Let's now. unpack, like, let's, let's let's unpack, unpack what you mean. By yeah. That. Yeah. Because it's true. And I actually see my autopilot is I go into that hustle Same. and like, I actually get a lot done, but it's not what serves the business like for longevity and, and even you, for my mental health. Mental health. It's yeah. like you mentally become a psycho again. Yeah. Uh, like I, I become a psycho and I'm Same. pushing to make results and things happen and they're probably not even the right thing yes yes so then I just read the book a it's little true. bit and I'm like just relax girl like it's true and then things happen every yeah. time you know it's literally true. this happened to me yesterday I was feeling very stressed about the future yeah yeah and then I got three calls in a row yesterday and I was like okay yeah 
it's all going in the right direction. It's true. You know, but I had to calm myself down. Yeah. From, like talk myself off that list. Which is a skill set, actually. Yeah. To be able, because it's so easy to be, you know, especially in like the worlds that we're in, like we got compensated for like getting shit done with results. a very yeah. results. Exactly. And like business instant doesn't work. Results. Instant results. Exactly. And it doesn't work like that when you have your own business. No. If anything, it's probably energetically not giving the abundance and like positive vibes it needs. I know that sounds so corny, but I believe in all that. Like, yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. And also I think what we see, like these overnight successes, first of all, there's no such thing. You know that. Yeah. Like you're just because you're hearing about it now doesn't mean that this person hasn't been like working towards this thing for however long behind the scenes. Yeah. But like, it's like the media. We only report what's exciting. Yes. Nobody yeah. is, I mean, on your podcast, you're talking about the drudgery of like being an entrepreneur, but nobody's publicly talking about like today we you know disappointed a, cu a customer or whatever the yeah. downsides are yeah. or like maybe you won't make payroll this month or yeah. something you know like nobody wants to talk about that everybody just wants to hear about the success mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah of course it seems like we all have to have these results right away but that's not reality it, it's true and yeah. so many of the people we see it's like it was eight years in the making like Literally. and that actually calms me down yes Sometimes I'm like, you know we're like two and a half years in like yes we have years to go and we're on the same time frame yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, we yeah are. we're on That's the same true. time frame. I tell myself that all the time. I see other people doing things that I aspire to do yeah. one day, but they've been doing it so much longer than me. Yes. You know, I'm just getting started. And like, I also think not that we should sit down and celebrate every mediocre thing that we do, but I think we also maybe don't appreciate what we've done so far. Yeah, totally. And I'm I'm not saying throw yourself a party every time, but like, it's okay to just be proud of like your accomplishments. Yeah. I don't think that's something I was raised to do either. Same, yeah. Um, we're, but you, it's okay to be proud of what you've done. Yeah, you it's know? true. And like to have that gratitude. It's so interesting because I get this question a lot, like, you know, with this podcast, like I'm meeting incredible business women who yeah. have significantly larger businesses than mine. And they're like, how does that make you feel? And I was like, you know, if anything, like I know the, I know the behind the scenes and I try my best to showcase it here that they, they have years ahead of me. They've gone through so many struggles. Like truly with this podcast, every time we hit a roadblock, I have a story in my brain. Oh yeah, this one person went through it and this is how she overcame it. So and it's like, like therapy for you it's too. It's total therapy. Yeah. And I, I threw an event like last year and I remember a few women pulled me aside. They're like, how's Bia going? And they have significantly larger businesses. They're like, you know what, Yasmin, like enjoy it. You're in the best time of the business. And like, I needed to hear that at that moment. What does that mean? Tell me. Cause like, I feel like, like it, things get, I mean, it's so beautiful to have a larger business, but like things get more complicated. Like you are in the fun part of like still understanding your, I mean, they still understand the clients, but like the earliness, you're still in, you're it. Still in it. You're still feeling the growth and like, like sort of hands-on driving the growth. Yes, and it's yeah. less of a corporate, you know, if you're a $100 million business, it's totally, it's run completely different. Yeah. Like we're talking about employees at like a three person. Yes. I can't even imagine at this stage running like a larger business. I don't business. want to. I, know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. It's, people, are, people yeah. management is the hardest part. And I've heard many CEO, everybody says this, people management is the hardest part. And especially for independent people yeah. who are just used to doing everything themselves, I've really had to work on that yeah. skill set because I don't have it, you yeah. know? Interesting. Yeah, 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 totally. And it's I don't know that I want it. I'm not sure where this business is going. I don't know that like 
a huge corporation is, I don't know. I don't know. But all I know is people managing is hard. Yeah. And, and when you know that early on, like people bring in, you know, if you ever needed to bring in someone to manage, like yeah. we had someone on the podcast. She's a founder of Ring Concierge. She's like the first hire I did was like HR and people are like, why? Yeah. She's like, I am not good at managing people. Yeah. They're like, are you okay? Like it's such a weird hire, but she made that move. And, you know, she said it was one of the best things I ever did. I think so. I think you need to like know your own strengths and then everybody else you hire should fill in all those gaps. Yeah, that's true. You know, and that takes time to like, yeah, I'm reevaluating that now. Like yeah. what, like, where do I need the support? What am I not good in? Yeah. How, who can I bring in that significantly better at 100%. that? 100%. Because there's only so much I can think about and do. That's another way that you've been able to put your ego aside, Yeah. you know, and be like, I am not good at this thing. And guess what? There's somebody else out there who is and who actually likes doing this thing. True. You know? Yeah. Um, so I think ego is like a big roadblock to like successful entrepreneurs like you have to let go of so much yeah in order for your business to evolve it's and people true. struggle with that it's like your baby it's like your child I know. You know and then at each different level you have to still unwind so much stuff it's like Every you're time. growing with the business so yes. we were talking about this before we started recording like you're always uncomfortable I'm always. like man I, I got this but yeah. now it's like this whole other level this whole other thing but I recently read this book called 10x is easier than 2x true have you read that? I think Drew interviewed someone, but tell me. I heard yeah. the basic premise of the book is yeah. that for every leap you make, you've got to shed 80% of what you're doing now. I love that. Yeah. To focus on the 20% that's gonna get you or your business to the next level. And that some that requires shedding sometimes people, um, your daily habits, like whoever that new person is. Yeah. So like, say like you had to do it when you decided to become a podcast host, mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that you could not do anymore. And, or, you know, a lot of mentalities that maybe you had to shed, like, and it's difficult, but yeah. it's also easier because not everybody's pursuing that thing. Yeah. So there's less competition. Yes, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, totally. And you, you can actually 10 X it like the same amount of work goes into it, but That's it's like, exactly it. it's like how you, it's like your energy again. Like it's yeah. all going towards that 20%. Yeah. And you've so shed true. or outsourced that 80%. Yeah, that's not that. serving this new thing. Okay. You know? I, I, I think I need to, I'm going to read that book too. It's really I need amazing. A shedding. I mean, I can feel you like I'm, I'm ready to shed yeah. for the next level. Yeah. And I would love, that's amazing. It's such a good book. And it really, it's very concise. It like just is like, here's what you do. And you're Ooh. like, okay. Amazing. Okay. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. You know, one thing I'm curious about and I know we're coming up on time is, you know, you mentioned when you were doing the interior design jobs in the beginning, you're like, oh, I'm just kind of doing this for fun. And this is going to be my last project. Last, this is going to yeah. be my last project. There's so much self-doubt that goes into that. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're thinking, you know, I didn't go to like interior design school. All day, every day. So yeah. how did you kind of, I mean, you've proven this throughout your career, but again, for another time, like how do you not let that stop you from building? Like you have like a proper interior design yeah. business now. So yeah. how'd you not let that get in the way? I think it was partially the people I surrounded myself with. So in the beginning, um, I knew that if I wanted to do bigger jobs, I needed to do drawings like AutoCAD drawings. Okay. I am not going back to school to do it, nor did it make business sense to me to sit at a computer every day for four or five hours. It's time consuming, right? That's not the best use of my time if I have a creative vision. So I hired somebody to do it. Okay. And that person, we were having this conversation because that person obviously went to school and we were having this conversation about decorator versus designer because there's this big debate debate in the industry about who can call themselves a designer versus decorator, you know, so old school interior designers 
believe that you shouldn't be able to call yourself a designer unless you went to school. I don't think the new guard thinks that okay. at all. And I've made enough friends in the business now who've come from all kinds of different industries to know that that's true. Like mm -hmm. my friend who I hired to help me with the drawings was like, well, do you design spaces? And I was like, yes, I do. And she's like, then you're an interior designer. Okay. And I was like, you are right. We're getting very caught up in titles. I think people get, it's ego. Yes. Yes, yes. We're titles. back to the ego it's question, true. right? Mm -hmm. Like if I was waiting for someone else with an ego to give me permission to do something, where would I be today? It's true. Nowhere, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you can't let other people's ego or fears or judgments or whatever stop you. It's that same mentality, no ego. And you just have to be brave and like act. Mm -hmm. And I love yeah. that, like having the right bubble around you. you and have to. if you don't yeah. have the right friends, and I, I mean, I've now kind of curated my own network. You're 10x. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, now I'm ready for the next 10x. Yeah. But also, like listening to podcasts, YouTube, like there's so many things you can do just to make sure your mindset is right and like it's to everything. get inspired by other people. But I love, like, I'm so protective of my network and my energy. Yeah. Because it just makes such a difference. And even your feed, I unfollowed, blocked, mute, yeah. whatever. Like, I don't care. I, if it's in my view, right. it's affecting yeah. my brain. You know what yeah. I mean? So Even the news, like, yeah. sometimes yeah. you have to step back because mm -hmm. it really has the power to, like, change how you go about your day. And you have to sort of, like, filter everything. Yeah. Censor it. Totally. You know? It's so true. Protect your mindset. Yes. So I'm curious about this. What's the biggest fear you still have that you are looking to conquer for yourself still? So I'm still working on my relationship with money. Like, it's a big thing for me. My value has always been so tied to, like, how much money I are make. Are we the same person? I think we're the same person. <laughs> well, I was a financial services attorney, so I think that there's oh. a lot. And it, and it starts with how you're raised and, and your beliefs about money. And for us, the amount of money you make is always tied to your value. And I'm really working so hard to separate myself from that because we're doing just fine, yeah. you know, and it's not a measure of your value. Like how much money you make has nothing to do with like who you are, what you're providing it to the world. So I'm working on that. How are you working on that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I don't, there's no specific strategy except to like, I guess awareness is number awareness. one. And that was interesting for me. Yes. Like, I was like, oh, I didn't know so much my identity was tied to money. Like, it is. Yeah. And again, it's that filter. I've cut off a lot of like, even accounts that I follow on my Instagram that have to do with anything material sure. or people in my life who are so focused on material acquisition. Mm -hmm. It's that. That's how I've been working on it is limiting my interactions with that kind of yeah. narrative. It's true. Yeah. yeah. That's the only way because otherwise I can get very caught up in it. Yeah. Um, versus just focusing on like what I'm putting out there to help people. Yes. You know? Ugh. I love that. But you have to cut it all off. For people like us, yeah. she can't even look at it or listen to it. I know. You know? I know. <laughs> it's true. But it's just, it's so interesting. Like starting a business, it just really uncovers so much about you. Like yeah. I had no idea that I was so tied to money and how my whole life feels like I support myself and I make a ton of money. Yeah. And I was like, wow, my value was so tight. And even when the business is doing well, like we were talking about this, we both decided to like reinvest the money back in the business. Like yeah. we're not seeing that money. Mm -mm. So it's just this interesting relationship that I'm still like learning and also unpacking. Yeah. Um, but it's fascinating. I really want to get to the point one day where I just like don't care yeah i don't know if that's possible well i don't know i i would like to get to a point where money is not even a, a thing yeah like a topic of conversation no matter it doesn't have to do with how much i have it's more my mentality adjusting like my goal is to get to a place where i'm like it doesn't matter 
Yeah. I don't know if that's realistic. Yeah. Well, we're, we're both in the process. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll share. I'll check anything. in. I know. Yeah. I'll check in. How we're doing feeling? all the work. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Well, mm -hmm. Hema, I love this conversation. I feel Me like we too. could have talked for so long, yes. but thank you for being here, being just such an open book. Thanks I know you're inspiring me. so many. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.